The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening today. We're very glad that you have joined us. We've got a great program today for you, and I know that you're going to enjoy it, that you're going to be inspired and enthused and have your mind open and your soul fed with some great ideas about living fully and about the recovery process. I want to thank you also for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook. Thank you so much for posting there, and also thank you for your emails, letting me know how you're doing, what's happening for you in your recovery and in your spirituality, and uh, what's opening up for you in some wonderful new ways. I want to also thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery and unity communities uh, know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. I love the opportunity to broadcast about recovery and spirituality here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. And I thank you so much, too, for letting me know that what we're doing here is making a difference for you, that our guests are touching your heart, and that they are really uh, giving you some new ideas and some enthusiasm as you continue to grow and develop, as we all do. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative, people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and we're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can uh, listen to... um, us live via your computer. You can listen live via your smart device. You can listen to uh, our archives. We've got lots of uh, years of great archives, and you can go to unityonlineradio.org/program/spiritofrecovery. And this program, of course, will be archived pretty soon after we're finished today. And I invite you to go there, and you can uh, download it yourself and, and share it also on Facebook. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of addiction or if you're the family member or friend of someone that has the disease of addiction, perhaps you're in recovery yourself as a family member and uh, recovering from those issues or maybe not. 
whatever. Maybe you're interested, just curious about recovery. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing in relation to the recovery process, we're very glad that you're here. And you are welcome to uh, phone in or write in or or, uh, email in a question or a comment for my guest. We're very glad that you're here. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor. I'm also a person that has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And over 33 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. Ever since then, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles, and that keeps transforming my life, keeps me growing, keeps enriching my life, and uh, I'm just so delighted to have the opportunity to uh, share these ideas that mean so much to me with you, and also to hear what you're experiencing on your spirituality and recovery walk. I want you to know also that if you would like to financially support Unity Online Radio to support Spirit of Recovery and the many other great programs that are broadcast on unityonlineradio.org, which is a nonprofit um, enterprise, you can do that easily. You can text via your smart device Unity Radio to 72727. You can make a one-time gift or a continuing donation. Our topic today is overcoming passivity, living life to the full. And we know that uh, certainly recovery is one of the doors that people walk through to be able to live that life that we've always aspired to. And uh, as we walk through that door of recovery, we know that there are many doors to walk through in that uh, place and many, uh, lots of growth to continue to make. And so if we want to live fully, uh, we need to face our passivity, face whatever it would be that would hold us hostage to old ways of being and that we can find solutions that lead us into full recovery, to in-depth recovery of our creativity, of our lives, of our energy, of our ability to be close to others and to uh, have fulfilling work and a joyful life. My guest today is uh, John Lee. John is a pioneer in the fields of self-help, of anger, codependency, creativity, recovery, relationships, and men's issues. John is a prolific, best-selling author. He's a personal life coach, a consultant, a poet, a teacher, and a humorist. He is a world-renowned expert on relationships between men and women and parents and children. And he uh, is the best-selling author of the book, The Flying Boy, Healing the Wounded Man, which is how I first uh, learned about John many years ago. I remember that truly is a groundbreaking book and uh, has a lot of great information and wisdom about men and relationships. And John has also published 15 other books on relationships, uh, recovery, spirituality, and creativity and anger. Um, he has taught at the universities of Texas and Alabama. He uh, has been very instrumental in being a founding participant in the men's movement, and he has appeared on Oprah, on uh, the Dr. Oz program on 2020, on Barbara Walters' The View, on CNN, MSNBC, and PBS, and um, has been featured in Newsweek, The New York Times, and The Yoga Journal. So John's going to be talking with us today about his new book, 
which is called The Half-Lived Life, Overcoming Passivity and Rediscovering Your Authentic Self. And there's a lot of wisdom in that book. So, John, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Very much for that kind introduction. After listing all listing all that stuff, now I know why I'm so tired. I, I've been That's busy. Right. Tra- you know, I've been busy. I'm thinking, who is that guy? That guy's getting old and tired. But thank you for having me on. And boy, this sounds like a really, really wonderful format you've got going here. Thank you. Yeah, it is. We're blessed. We really are. We're blessed with the, the Unity Online Radio that started uh, several years ago, creating this network, and it's just a blessing. There's there's a lot of good. Well, that Unity, Unity has been a blessing to everybody I I know that's ever been associated with it, and I've been lucky and fortunate enough to be associated with it in numerous ways over the last thirty years. Um, you know, the Church of Today in Warren, Michigan, and, and, and Walnut Creek, and these different places that have allowed me to speak there. Uh, you, you know, I tell folks all the time, if you want to find a place where you're welcome and in the biggest way possible for a spiritual journey, uh, especially with recovery and prosperity and abundance, and, you know, this is the place. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it's, it. Yeah. yeah, it's the truth. It's the it truth. is. Yeah, we we do our best, and we appreciate yeah. that. We yeah. really do. Yeah. So, loved your book. Lots of great yeah. wisdom in it. What led well, you, John? You. Yeah, to write this book, Overcoming well, two, Passivity. Two things. Mm-hmm. Two things. Uh, one was a client. Who is, uh, who is about as a successful man as I've ever worked with. One day we were talking a few years ago, and he said, uh, John, you know, he's a surgeon in New York. He says, John, I'm, I'm half the father I could be. I'm half the doctor I could be. I'm half the husband I could be. I'm half the man I could be. And all I thought to say at that moment is, it, but it sounds like you're living a half-lived life. Mm-hmm. And and that just sort of held me. And then the next word that came out of my mouth was passivity. And and I thought to myself, well, here we go again. John, you need to look at your own issues before you can help somebody with yours, theirs. And what issues uh, around passivity and recovery and authenticity do you still have? And so every book I've written uh, for the last 30 years first spins out of my own life, my client's life, my workshop life, but mostly my life. And I discovered I was still passive in some ways with regards to my marriage, and I was passive in some ways with regards to my own finances and and, and prosperity. So I started digging into it, Anna, and it turns out there was nothing written on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no no major books out there. I found three academic textbooks that talked about passivity, and they were so hard to read, I decided one day I hadn't been in pain for a while, so I thought I would read those books, and and I <laughs> did, and, and they helped me a little bit, but what I wanted to do was condense them and and uh, learn from them and then pass pass it on. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a, a, and your listeners a definition for passivity as I work with it, just so they'll know where I'm coming from, okay? Sure, sure, great. Go okay. ahead. All right. Passivity is the compulsion or the addiction 
to pursue the opposite of what we say we want. Passivity is the compulsion or the addiction to pursue the opposite of what we say we want. Hmm. And that's what most people say when they hear that. Uh, here's, here's a fellow this past weekend, I was up in Massachusetts doing a men's weekend, and he said, John, I need my family to get sober. I need them to stop drinking. And I said, Bud, I'm afraid that's not what you need at all. And he said, but I've needed that for years. I said, uh, and what have you done action-wise? And he says, well, I go to them, and, and I get frustrated, and I tell them, you know, that they should stop drinking. I try to help them get in treatment. And then I said, uh, how about addressing your own passivity? And, I'm, and, I, and he paused and looked at me, and I said, yep. Yeah. I said, uh, it's the compulsion to pursue the opposite of what we say we want. And you, having been around the recovery program as long as you have, have been, know that what he was saying is what all us enablers say, is that he needed them to be who they are so that he could interact with them in, in this half way instead mm -hmm. of fully going in and saying, you folks, I love you, I adore you, and and I'm going to tell you that I can't be around this anymore. But I said, what you do is you go and you talk to them, and they talk to you, and you talk to them, and they get mad at you, and you get mad at them, and then you all don't talk no more. That's mm -hmm. a half-lived life, bud. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's just some thoughts real quick to throw out there. Yeah. No, thanks. That's a great um, definition and a great example. And, um, you know, what you're saying in that ex example is it's, uh, boy, it takes a lot more guts, and it's a great bigger risk to come in, as you're saying, and say to them, I can't be around you anymore when you're drinking than it is to kind of keep the dance going, right? Right. See, everybody, as we both know, that anybody's been in recovery, knows that, that it takes to, to, to do a real dance uh, of addiction and alcoholism. And, 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 you know, we, with our good intentions and our loving heart and our control issues, we, we try to get everybody sobered up, but really we have a vested interest in people staying in their addictions, and, and it leaves us with a glass-half-empty kind of life. Uh, it's very, very difficult to, to stop the arguing and the fighting and the, and the discussions and get out of here and don't talk to me like that anymore than to go in and say, I love you, I'm here for you, come see me when you're ready, and now I'll go deal with the grief of my loss, not only maybe of y'all, but of the loss of the dynamic that I've helped keep in place for years. Mm -hmm. so. Talk some more, John, about why that's so painful to let go of that dynamic. What's that about? Well, the dynamic, you know, is what kind of keeps us going, in ways and gives us some hope. See, the, the problem with alcoholism, one of the problems with alcoholism and addiction is, is there's always this hope that if I can just say the right thing, do the right thing, 
then this issue, this problem will go away. But the biggest one the enabler has is, is, and this is one that nobody likes to admit to, the biggest one the enabler has is I get to stay in a superior position to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to say goodbye to you. So I get two twofers. I get a twofer for the price mm-hmm. of one. A, I get to be superior, and B, I don't have to say goodbye and grieve all that could have been, should have been, if only had have been. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. But see, the, the compulsion to pursue the opposite Let's take this into the area of relationships. Uh, a woman will say in my therapy session, oh, John, I want a man who's emotionally available like you wrote about in The Flying Boy, and I want a man who's working on his stuff, and he goes to church, and he's loving, and he's interested in spirituality and personal growth. And I say, uh, so what, uh, what was your last partner like? Oh, nothing like that. <laughs> he wasn't mm-hmm. anything like that. And the one before, well, no, no, really nothing like that either. And I go, then why don't we just look at what's really true for you? That your actions belie everything you're paying me per hour to tell me. Mm-hmm. First, mm-hmm. first, come out of denial that in a certain way you are compelled to pursue the opposite of what you say you want. See? You have mm-hmm. an addiction to the unavailable man. The man who says, oh, John, I want to write a book more than any. I got all these books in me. I want to write a book. I read your book, and I'm calling to tell you how good it was, and, I'm, and I've got these ideas, and years and years and years go by, and he never writes his book. And I go, your actions belie what you're telling me. It sounds like you're getting a secondary gain from not writing your book. You're getting a secondary gain from going after men who are emotionally unavailable. Sounds like you're getting a secondary gain or maybe just a half-lived life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it that... Um, talk a little more, John, about how... What's the price for that? What's the price for not going for that fullness of living? Well... I bet you could answer this just as well as I could or because we've seen it so much. You know, when you only live a half-lived life or you live with an alcoholic or an addict and they don't do anything about it, and when you live with an emotionally unavailable man or woman, you know, <clears throat> the price is <clears throat> depression, uh, the price is despair, uh, the price is uh, victimization. It's a heavy price. Mm-hmm. But but also, you do look like the, the burdened one who, uh, you know, means well. Uh, you know, my best example, coming from my own family of origin where alcohol and addiction runs rampant, is my dad was the obvious alcoholic and my mother was the obvious savior and saint that goes to the church and lives with an alcoholic, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, gosh, before she got into Al-Anon, she, for 50 years she looked like the superior one, but she too, I'm sad to say, for most of her life lived a half-lived life. 
And mm-hmm. one of the things I talk about, Anna, in this book is is that passivity doesn't plague a person across the board. I've never really worked with a person who's 100% passive. Most passivity really strikes us in one or two or three areas of our life. And, okay, let's and, hold on to that. We're going to, okay. I'm sorry to okay. break in on you here. Okay. It's time for our okay. break. And okay. uh, listeners, stay with us. My guest is John Lee. We are discussing the ideas in his book, The Half-Lived Life, Overcoming Passivity and Rediscovering Your Authentic Self. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Chris Michaels, host of Healing Your Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on Earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Thanks for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. Our topic today is overcoming passivity, living life to the full, and my guest is John Lee. John is a prolific author and we are discussing the ideas in his uh, recent book, The Half-Lived Life, Overcoming Passivity and Rediscovering Your Authentic Self. Uh, John has written many books. He is a uh, a workshop presenter. He is a consultant. He's a poet, a teacher, and a humorist. He uh, is a founding participant, a founding member of the men's movement, and uh, wrote a, a book that helped get that going called The Flying Boy, Healing, Healing the Wounded Man. And uh, John has appeared on many uh, national and international media outlets, and we're just delighted to have him here with us today. You can learn more about John's work at his website, www.johnleebooks.com. That's John L-E-E Books, johnleebooks.com. Before I get back to my conversation with John about the half-lived life, overcoming passivity, and rediscovering your authentic self, I invite you to join me for a moment of meditation for the Serenity Minute. 
an opportunity to relax, to share a constructive idea, and to open up consciously to that presence of your higher power. So I invite you to relax, to be aware of that peaceful presence um, that is spirit within you and around you, and allow yourself to notice your breathing, to let go into the quiet, and share with me this constructive idea. I am a fully alive person. I trust that I can and I do live my life to the full. I am a fully alive person. I trust that I can and I do live my life to the full. And now we take a moment in the quiet. friends for joining me in the serenity minute i trust that it was an opportunity for you to make that conscious connection with your higher power with the life within you and so now we are back to our conversation my conversation with my guest john lee the author of the book the half-lived life overcoming passivity and rediscovering your authentic self um, John, before the break, you were telling us about um, how when you work with people and discovering uh, in yourself and with other people that nobody is passive or, you know, going against themselves in all areas of their life, but in some areas. Tell us more about that. Yeah, that's right. Um, I remember as I was getting ready to write the book, um, I had a man come in for a couple of days intensive, and he said, John, I, I read the book. Uh, 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 your notes on the book and heard it on a lecture and I'm coming to see you he said but there's a part of it that rings so true for me but I just don't really see how it could be possible I said well tell me what you mean and he said well he said I own a fortune 400 company and I'm on uh, many different uh, volunteer boards and charity boards and I've made all this money and I have this great you know life and and I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, if I called your adult son and said to him and asked him this question, who is your father? The man looked at me real stunned, and he said, he'd say he didn't know. And I said, that's what I'm pointing to is, is that you're not passive in your business and your social and your charity life, but you were and are still passive as a parent. And he said, well, I knew there was something about it, but I just couldn't figure it out because the greatest trick the passive person plays on themselves is, look how busy I am. How, mm-hmm. could, how could anybody identify me as being passive? And so from that point, that's where we got to work. Sure enough, he wasn't passive in all areas of his life, just mostly in his parenting role. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little um, about how grief work and grief fits into this, because you mentioned earlier 
in our conversation, John, that one reason people will go against themselves or do the opposite of what they say they want is because they don't want to deal with the grief right. of maybe leaving right. something. Talk some more about that. Yeah, you know, when you say goodbye to a pattern, a person, a process, an addiction, you're going to have to do major grief work because that pattern, process, person, or addiction has supplied you with something. And so there's a hole that's going to form inside you. And if you don't grieve that which is lost, something else is going to go back into that hole. Another relationship prematurely, another another addiction, whatever it is, what we've known by being in the recovery field for this long is grief is absolutely a part of getting better and healing and getting well. Now, one of the things that I said, uh, I've written three books on anger. The last one was called The Missing Peace, uh, Solving the Anger Problem for Alcoholics, Addicts, and Those Who Love Them. That's that's one of the, the ways in which passivity can be worked with as well as grieving. One of the things that I've said for a long time is, is anger. Now, I'm talking about appropriate anger, not rage. Mm-hmm. Anger is for getting out of stuck places, and grief is for having been in a stuck place for so long. Mm-hmm. And so you put those two together... And you can very often find your way uh, to a more full life. Uh, and then you add, of course, the, the hundred other doors, as you say, and, and components. But, but for many, many people in recovery, uh, the, the idea of anger has been taboo. Uh, one of the things, having been in 12-step work for nearly 30 years myself, um, and having written on the subject of anger is the misidentification and misunderstanding about appropriate anger versus inappropriate anger, or what I really refer to as rage. Mm -hmm. An alcoholic or an addict does not have the luxury of rage, but but anger is a God-given emotion that is meant to be expressed to stop abuse, to stop violation of boundaries, and numerous other things. And there's been this misunderstanding for a long time when we talk about anger as being negative or anger as being something unwanted. Uh, The three academic texts that I read and researched uh, before I wrote my book, uh, I was so amazed to see that one of the solutions, just one now, that they all three writers did uh, uh, discuss was how anger worked was a way out of passivity. Mm-hmm. Why does that work? Why is it? Why does it work? Well, how does it work? I, I guess. I guess for the same reason. You know, my standard joke is: if you get your car stuck in the mud, and you you get back out and and try to try to look at your car, and you just grieve that you're stuck in the mud, your car's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But if you get angry that you're stuck in the mud and maybe have been stuck and now you got your clothes all dirty and you're late for this important meeting, you might be able to put that car in neutral and push it out yourself. Mm-hmm. And if not, you can certainly get some passerby to help you and you will get it out. 
But again, it's got to be appropriate anger. It's got to be a proportional anger. It's got to be directed at the right source. Uh, and this is this is very hard. Again, what we find in passive people in that that uh, when they are experiencing passivity in certain areas of their life is they're very, very scared to get angry about it and do something about it. And anger expressed appropriately equals energy, intimacy, and serenity. Um, and those three factors I need more in my life, and a lot of people do too. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it sort of clears the the way you're, you're not mm-hmm. enmeshed, I guess, or yes, yeah, yeah. It, it literally gets you unstuck. Mm-hmm. It, it, but see, one of the, one of the things again, living with an alcoholic or an addict or somebody who's passive, there is a payoff staying stuck, um, and that's one of the things that in a good recovery treatment program or with a good recovery therapist, uh, you can find what's keeping you stuck and what you're getting out of being stuck. So you can do what your meditation so clearly uh, enjoins us to do, and and that's have a fully fully lived life, and because we deserve it and we have a right to it. Absolutely, you know, John. What about people in long term recovery? Uh, you know, when people walk through the doors of of recovery, whether as family members and and beginning being starting to be willing to let go of the enabling and the focus on others, or person that's addicted to a, a substance or a, a process like uh, sexual addiction or gambling or whatever yeah. or money, but mm-hmm. spending. So so okay, people walk through the door, then they're they're in long term recovery. They got ten years, whatever beyond. How does this relate to them? Well, you know, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I'm going to read a very short passage that's from my book that uh, Carl Jung wrote, and I think it answers that question. Uh, after you've been in recovery for a while or, you know, maybe you're moving into the second part of your life or midlife, and maybe in, in some people's cases the third act of their life, depending on their age. He says, Wholly unprepared, we embark upon the second half of life. Worse still, we take this step with the false assumption that our truths and ideals will serve as before. But we cannot live the afternoon of life according to the program of life's morning. For what was great in the morning will be little at evening. And what in the morning was true will at evening have become a lie. Mm. And so, you know, for the recovering person, there's just that proverbial onion, there's that proverbial door after door after door. And one of the things, uh, having been around the program for a long time, that I've seen and I've even participated in myself, is we get to a certain plateau and we want to stay there, and and bask there. But recovery is a lifelong process with many doors and many layers. And and so to keep going and to keep identifying, you know, that's that's basically all I've done for the last thirty years is just try to keep going and keep identifying and see where I I need to go next and, and hopefully as 
as the old cliche goes, you know, a therapist can't take his client any further than he's been himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody had have come to me 10 years ago and said, listen, I have a problem with passivity, I wouldn't have known what to say about it or what to do about it because I hadn't recognized my own at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is. It's, and thank you for that, for your willingness. And I think it takes a humility in the, in the best sense of that term to keep knowing that no matter what, how many years, I don't know it yeah. all. I'm, I'm a. Well, life will show you that. I'm sad to say and grieving to say I, I just, we just finished a amicable divorce of 17 years and Man, Lord, do I have work to do, you know. I mean, even 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 being able to say, thank God, uh, most loving amicable divorce. And I still have work to do. I'm, I don't know what it would have been if it had been a, you know, contentious, ugly divorce. Uh, but life just keeps handing you different uh, opportunities. And this latest one was was this. And... My next book that I'm working on is coming out uh, next year called Love Me Till I'm Me Again. Oh, yeah, and that's a good one. It's, it's about, you know, what I've learned the last couple of years walking through that door. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, thank you, really. I mean it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, John, for, mm-hmm. for your willingness and, and your vulnerability because that's where it's at. That's what's real, you know, yeah. not about sitting on the rock and... I'm not yeah, going any yeah. farther. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Although I would like to sit for a while sometime, but it just seems like, you know, uh, the the path, once you've committed to it, you know it. And I've, I've been teaching for 30 years, and, you know, I tell folks, steaks get done, people don't, you know. Um, you can get a steak completely done, but you can never get a person completely done. And uh, you just got to... You know, gently, gently, uh, and compassionately tell yourself that there's more to be done and more will be revealed. And there's always going to be help out there from somebody who's a half step ahead of you. And all you got to do is be open to find them and being led to them. Did I lose you? I lost you. Yep, I did. I lost her. Should I call back? Oh, okay. I disappeared. I apologize. I accidentally hit my mute button. Okay, you're still here, but I was I was muted. All right. So, oh, that's funny. Okay. I can think of all the people that wish I had a mute button. <laughs> uh, well, you, you can put that in that book, John. <laughs> my good. dad would have loved to have found my mute button. Mm-hmm. My mom. Mm-hmm. So where are we? Are we ready for the so break? We're, or? Yeah, we're... Um, just about. Are we in the break or are we in no, the break? No, no. <laughs> let me get Jeff. Let's go on, go on break, and then we'll be back and we'll talk about okay. energy. Yeah. Okay. okay. Chris Michaels, host of the Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author 
life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is overcoming passivity, living life to the full. My guest is uh, John Lee. John Lee is a best-selling author. He's a consultant, a personal life coach, a poet, a teacher, and a humorist. And um, he is sharing with us today some great ideas from his book, The Half-Lived Life, Overcoming Passivity and Rediscovering Your Authentic Self. And you can learn uh, about John's work in much more depth if you go to his website, which is www.johnleebooks.com. And that's John L-E-E books.com so john before the break um we i'd asked you a bit about energy and you talked about energy with the grief work with the anger work Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i know that a big part of your approach has to do with body work and dealing Mm -hmm. with energy so talk about that Mm -hmm. why does body work matter and what do you mean by it well you know back in the 70s and 80s it became apparent to a lot of therapists around the country and psychologists that talk therapy, as good as it is, and boy, there's nobody in the world that would ever put that down. I believe in it with my whole heart. But there was also a way in which there was emotions and feelings and memories locked in our bodies at a cellular level and at a visceral level that uh, still needed to be released, and very often uh, people would find that talk therapy by itself could not release some of those energies. 
So in the 80s, um, 70s and 80s, I started studying and exploring bioenergetics and Reiki and therapy and all these different um, what's now called uh, body-centered psychotherapy approaches. There wasn't a name for that really back then. Um, and so myself and many others started piecing together this information and experiencing it and finding that, um, you know, use, accessing the body and using the body to express what was going on is very viable and combined with really good talk therapy can, can move people much faster. Um, what we know now is that most child psychiatrists agree that about 85% of a person's personality and character is completely formed by the age six. And so, so much is happening to us, around us, through us, above us, and under us that are happening in utero at two years old, three years old. And that's very hard to talk about sometimes at 40. Uh, the, the memory is not there in the way that uh, you can access it. So we use the body as a vehicle to, to let some of the sorrow, the pain, and the sort of uh, stopped-up energy discharge and be released in a pre-verbal or non-verbal way. And so that's, that's always been a part of my work. I trained therapists for 28 years in that approach. And, and, uh, and again, uh, talk therapy is, is something that uh, I very much believe in, but I very often suggest my clients and friends and workshop participants pursue the avenue of exploring what needs to be released uh, through the body. Wonderful. And I know that there are a, a wide variety of things, especially uh, due to this being brought forward, you know, as you say, 30 or 40 years ago. So that if, if people are looking for resources, um, do you have some thoughts about that? But I, I know there's just a variety of ways that people can do that work. But how would you direct people? Well, the biggest biggest and best way, now that it's been consolidated and organized, uh, the Association for Body-Centered Psychotherapists, they have annual conferences. They have a list of people. That's probably the easiest way uh, to do that. You know, living here in Austin, as you and I do now, Austin has a great deal of, of, of variety of therapeutic approaches. Um, and so this idea of, of body-centered a therapist who's familiar with that word is going to recognize a client's usage of it and vice versa. But again, I, I, I still want to stress that, that talk therapy is, is essential to one's growth. You know, that's one reason why I think one of the thousands of millions of reasons why the 12-step program work is you get to talk and be listened to and somebody pays attention to you and gives you empathy. And that only costs a dollar a, a session, you know. So mm -hmm. when folks say, uh, John, I can't do this kind of work, it's very costly and expensive, I go, well, then at least, you know, make sure you're, you're doing what you have access to and what you can afford. And if you can't afford that dollar, they'll let you in anyway. 
that's right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you know, one of the things that you uh, talk about in your book, John, that you write about is about uh, loving relationships. And uh, the, you say that the real question to ask people, uh, to ask in your relationships is not, do you love me, mm. but... What? What's the question that you think is really well, the, the much better that, question? Yeah, that's that's one that shocked myself and, and years ago, and 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 those people is uh, I say adults should not be asking the question, "Honey, do you love me?" But rather the question, "Honey, son, dear, dad, mom, how well am I loving you?" Mm-hmm. And that question once listened to and responded to is going to change the face and tone and structure of a relationship. A child should be able to look at a parent ideally and say, Mama or Daddy, do you love me? And then they sit back and listen to an answer that's going to invigorate and energize their life for the rest of their life. But if adults are still asking that question, Honey, do you love me? Their focus is not adult. It's not as mature as one might want it to be. And again, you know, if 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 a man calls his son up, you know, tomorrow and says, "Son, how well am I loving you?" Uh, you got to have a lot of guts to hear that answer, especially if the person's going to tell the truth, because usually what we've done is, and this is a sad thing to say, and it's a very controversial thing, is we were told to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And that is one of the worst relationship advice columns or passage that anybody's ever heard. It works in business and it works in social situations. But in loving situations, the more appropriate is the platinum rule of uh, how well am I loving you? How do you want to be done to? Uh, What kind of love can I give you that you've been longing for your whole life? Not, I'm going to love you like I want to be loved. Mm -hmm. Um, It just doesn't work. Uh, It just doesn't work. And yet, it sounds like such a powerful admonition that people have practiced in marriages and relationships. I went to my father when I was about 46 years old, and I said, "Uh, Dad, I've made a huge mistake. I've been trying all my life to get you to love me like I wanted to be loved. I never thought for a minute about asking how you might want to be shown love. Mm -hmm. And that question rightly asked, turned a 10-year, non-talking, non-visiting, estranged relationship into one of the best adult-to-adult relationships that I'll probably have in this lifetime. It's just by turning that question around, because he actually answered it. I listened, and then he turned around and, in his own way, asked me the same question. Wow. That is powerful. Yeah, it gives me kind of cold chill bumps a little bit mm-hmm. thinking about the day that happened because I hadn't talked to him or seen him for 10 years, 
and I got in the car because he was a practicing alcoholic who had quit, but he hadn't gone to treatment and, or anything or gone to AA. And I just thought, you know what? I'm 46 years old. I don't need a daddy anymore to love me like I'm a little boy. I need to go see how that old man wants to be loved, maybe how he's always wanted to be loved before we lose the time. So luckily we didn't make up for that 10 years, but uh, but we sure have had a close relationship since. Mm-hmm. That is, thank you for sharing that. That's really, really powerful. Thank you. Well, it, thanks for asking the question. I hadn't thought about that in a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. <clears throat> what about boundaries? I know that's an important part of living your real life, your authentic life. Yeah, yeah, boundaries are something that, uh, you know, most recovering people wouldn't know one until they do. Mm-hmm. Um, boundaries, uh, simply put, this, this is how close you can come to me. And I'm going to tell you, Anna, uh, that there's so many therapists and so many people in therapy and recovery, they've gotten pretty good about boundaries. But the one thing that I've realized, and I put this in my latest book, uh, is uh, that what hadn't been discussed very clearly and cleanly is limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, boundary is this is how close you can come to me spiritually, informationally, sexually, physically, financially. But a limit is this is how far I'll go along with you mm-hmm. on whatever area or subject that you are currently uh, talking about or needing to negotiate. So a woman called me up the other day, and she said, John, I'm so angry at my son, I could kill him. I said, well, it sounds pretty angry to me. What's, what's going on? She said, I told him I would put him through the two of the best rehabs in this country, and if that didn't work and take, that would be it for me, that that's all I was going to do. And I said, well, what are you so angry about? She said, I've put him through three. And I said, oh, so you're angry at your son for not knowing what your limits are any more than you know what your limits are. And she said, well, nobody's ever talked to me about limits before. And I said, well, Mm -hmm. let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Limit is how far I'll go along with you, with your drinking, with your gambling, with your rehab even. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just the limits have not not a lot been written about them. I found. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So put put both together, and and I think you know it, it helps a little bit. It helps a little bit. For sure, it sounds like it helps the person uh, in a, in one sense be in touch with their own energy or their own mm-hmm. sense of mm-hmm. of deep reality. I guess maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, she, and, and, and also it, it creates like that subtitle of the book we've been talking about is Rediscovering Your Authentic Self. And, and basically all that means is, is that you've become a sober-minded person who, you know, is, is doing this kind of work. And, 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 and that's all that I thank God, whoever God is, meant for us to be was just the, the person that we came here to be and that we just have to shed the skins like a snake until until we get to be that person or until we get called to the to the next place you know but um you know it's a lifelong process to pull off all the masks and all the false personas 
that we had to put on as children and adolescents and maybe even as adults just to kind of get through this life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John, our time is up. Um, I want okay. to thank you so much for being my guest today and thank you for living your life fully and for keeping on going through the well, the, the doors and finding your well, authentic thank self. You, thank you so much for taking this time and making this show available to people and having me on and I hope sometime in the future uh, we'll get to be on again and uh, uh, sometime in the very near future, coffee is on me in South or Central Austin. <laughs> All right, that sounds great. That <laughs> okay. sounds. I'm going to take you up on it for sure. All right. Uh, okay. All right. Thank you so much. My guest thank is you. John Lee. Yeah, thank you. And our, uh, you can find out more about him at johnleebooks.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, glad you're here with us on Spirit of Recovery. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. 
with enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.